It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. We have three more games in the books. The battle for Atlantis wrapped up today on Monday. UConn beat Minnesota in the first game, beat South Florida in the second game, and then lost to South Carolina today in a 16-point defeat that was definitely a lot closer than the final score would indicate. Okay, so to start, I have two hot takes about the South Carolina game. And I have not told Megan them yet, so she is blind reacting to these. Number one, the loss does absolutely nothing to change my perception of this team. I felt like that I feel the exact same way about this team as I did going in, as I did after the Arkansas game. I was texting with someone before the game, and I said, I kind of feel like UConn's going to get smacked. I predicted they were going to lose last week. Nothing that happened was really all that surprising. Nothing that happened really changes what I think about this team going forward and eventually into the NCAA tournament. I think it really just kind of confirmed what we already knew about this team, what we already knew about South Carolina. And it's that UConn has a long way to go. They aren't there yet, but there's still so much season left to go. So I feel the exact same way about UConn right now, as I did before the game, as I did before the tournament, as I have since the Arkansas game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think like, I don't think my perception has changed that much either. Honestly, if anything, it might feel a little bit better because I think they played three pretty good quarters of basketball and one really, really bad quarter of basketball. So, I, but I agree. Like, I just, it doesn't change my takes on where they're at drastically. I don't think they're, like, in some kind of downward spiral because of it. South Carolina is really good. UConn is also really good. They have work to do, though, and I think we already knew that. I think... This is the big question I've been wrestling with since the game ended, something that I haven't even answered yet in my own brain. Do you put more weight to the first three quarters when they played really well, or do you put more weight to the fourth quarter when they played horrible? Like, which one do you think is more representative of who this team is? I honestly can't figure that out in my head. I go back and forth in my own arguments. Clearly, I'm very sane that I'm arguing with myself. I don't know. You have the larger sample size for the first three quarters, but I think you could also make an argument that the fourth quarter, maybe not to that extreme, but kind of the way it played out was a little closer than was closer to what we might've been expecting going in. I lean that the first three quarters are more what I thought it was going to be like, but I, I still don't really know if I can say definitively. Yeah, to me, it's almost more like a kind of a tale of two halves. Like, they played really, really well in the first half. The second half, it didn't necessarily catch up with them in the third quarter, but they were still in it. But I didn't think they played as well coming out of the locker room as they did in the first half. I feel like the, like, where I feel like they're at is somewhere in the middle of that, though. I thought, like, when they were coming out in that first quarter, like, kind of, like, I mean, we knew South Carolina would turn the ball over, but 
the way they were just able to run away a little bit in the first quarter, that was not at all what I was expecting, nor was I expecting them to score three points in the last quarter. So it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think actually, to your point, that third quarter might be exactly where it should have been, where South Carolina kind of went ahead a little bit. UConn came back a little bit. Neither team looked all that great. Neither team was dominating. There weren't any long runs like there were in the first quarter. That probably is what maybe the February, or is it January? I think it's January. Mm -hmm. The January matchup is going to look like. I'd be shocked if they don't play in the NCAA tournament. That's probably going to be closer to what the NCAA tournament matchup looks like. The first quarter, yeah, South Carolina was basically just bringing the ball up, handing it to UConn and going here, please fast break on us and go up by a ton. They were just gifting the ball to UConn. That wasn't going to stay for the entire game. They weren't going to let UConn get out and play that fast the entire time. And UConn's not going to score 12 points in an entire game against South Carolina. I will say that UConn has now been held to one field goal in two separate quarters against South Florida. No, not South Florida, South Carolina in their last three meetings. If you go back to 2019, 20, when they scored two points in the opening quarter, I don't think that means anything. It was just something that kind of hit my brain after the game. Yeah. I think the third quarter was probably the closest to where it was, but I don't know. I, I, I don't really think this game is indicative of, where UConn is. I don't think it's really indicative of where South Carolina is. Are South Carolina's guards going to be that good next time these two teams play? I mean, Aaliyah Boston is going to be that good the next time these two teams play. She's just, you're not going to stop her. That's what we talked about last episode. UConn's not going to stop her. I think they're going to do a better job against South Carolina's guards next game. I think South Carolina's guards are going to do a worse job against UConn next game. So it just feels like you kind of take this game, put it in a bottle and UConn knows what it has to start improving for March. South Carolina knows that it's a really good team. As Gino said, post game, but it's not like they got through this performance flawless too. So they have plenty of things to fix. So I still don't know. Do you look at the first three quarters, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, none of it. <laughs> I, I'm it's just such a weird spot, especially you're also coming off three straight games. That's an, yeah. another really big factor that, isn't going to happen any other time this season. So it's just tough to know what exactly to make of this game in more of a long-term sense of what it means. Yeah. And I mean, granted South Carolina also is coming up with three straight games. They rested their players a little bit more in those first two games that, that had to play into that final quarter somewhat too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think there's a lot you can take away from it in terms of, what are some things that you kind of did well and where do they need to improve? But I think like ultimately like the result doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. It's also worth noting that South Carolina helped itself because it beat Oregon pretty easily in the second game. Paige Beckers had to play, I want to say it was 38 points against USF in a seven point win. So it's not like UConn could afford to give its bench a lot of run in that game anyways. So I think that definitely is a big part of it. I want to move on to my hot take number two, because it wraps in very nicely to the way this game went. South Carolina out-rebounded UConn 42 to 25. It had 19 offensive rebounds and it had 17 second chance points. You think that it was a 16 point game and they had 17 second chance points. In theory, that's the difference in the game right there. However, none of those second chance points came in the fourth quarter. South Carolina had all of them 
by the end of the third quarter. And it was just a three point game at that point. So I really don't think the rebounding had any difference in the way that this game ended up. I think UConn, UConn scored three points in the fourth quarter. They were going to lose no matter what the rebounding was bad. I'm not trying to say that, but I just don't think the rebounding was the reason was anywhere close to the reason that UConn lost this game. It was bad, but the result would have been the same regardless. I disagree because while they didn't score second chance points in the final quarter, South Carolina got a ton of offensive rebounds in the second quarter. It felt like every time they took a shot like that they missed, they got an offensive rebound, which when UConn needed to score because they were down by eight points or whatever it was, they just like didn't touch the ball for extended stretches of time because South Carolina took like five shots every possession because they couldn't get a rebound to save their lives. So while it didn't necessarily come up in the second chance points in the final quarter, I think it did really limit UConn's chances for offense, which they were already struggling at. And then they had way less attempts as well because of that. It was five offensive rebounds for South Carolina in the fourth quarter. Does that change your opinion? If at I, all not even like right one way or it was definitely more than five <laughs> i'm barely confident it was five from the stats <laughs> no I, I trust your math i just sometimes feel like they don't count like no no, no, no wait let me just interrupt you first do not trust my math ever <laughs> that is the first thing That's you should true. know about me is you should never trust be math. trusting my math <laughs> i mean even if it was five like it just there was South Carolina extended their possessions many times in the fourth quarter. And some of that was turnovers and stuff too, but like they, they were able to extend their possessions a lot in the fourth quarter. It felt like UConn just didn't really even, granted they didn't perform on really any of their offensive chances, but it also felt like they just didn't have very many offensive chances. But I think it still comes down to, they just didn't do anything with them. They weren't getting the ball inside. They had two layups the entire quarter. They weren't hitting their threes. They weren't even really getting that good of looks. Yeah, you could have had more chances, but at the end of the day, if you're not even taking advantage of them, what does it really matter? Yeah, and they did turn the ball over a lot in the fourth quarter too, so they threw away a lot of chances that they had as well. I would feel very differently if South Carolina still had no second-chance points in the fourth quarter, but it ended maybe a four-point game, a six-point game, even a ten-point game to a certain degree. But just the fact that South Carolina ran away with it so much because UConn couldn't score, it's just that it played a part in the reason that UConn lost. If UConn was up by, let's say, 10 going into the third quarter, then maybe things go differently. It's the butterfly effect. You can really mm-hmm. never tell. But with what we saw and with how the game played out, the rebounding margin was bad, but UConn just couldn't put the ball in the basket in the fourth quarter. It, had shades of that Baylor game a couple years ago where they just went completely cold. But as opposed to that Baylor game where the, the shots just weren't falling, I never felt like any time UConn was even putting the ball on the basket, it looked like it was going to go in. They just weren't getting good looks, good chances. You got to have someone scoring besides Paige Beckers, Avina Westbrook, and Kristen Williams. It's basically been those three carrying the bulk of the scoring the entire season. One of those falters, as they all did, they have no one else that they can go to. No one. Yeah. Consistently. Yeah. No, I'll agree with that. And I think, I mean, we're going to get to it in a second anyway, but they need other people to step up. But what Gino said about, like, it wasn't Paige's best second half by any stretch. And in that fourth quarter, I felt like she struggled. I think it's honestly the first time in her career that we've seen her look kind of flustered. 
out on the court. I think she looks flustered. She turned the ball over a handful of times. And, like, she's going to have bad games. It's going to happen. No, like, way am I saying, like, Paige Becker's lost this game for UConn. But I do think that she didn't play well in the fourth quarter. And if anything, honestly, that's probably a better sign for UConn because, like, how many games is Paige Becker's not going to play well? And I don't think it's going to be many. It feels like this was almost the exact same game as last year's South Carolina matchup, except last year. Page caught fire and couldn't miss in the fourth quarter in overtime and single-handedly carried UConn this year. Yeah, she didn't play great, but they needed her to put in that same type of performance to win today, and she didn't do it. So I feel like we almost could have had the same conversation last year if they lost to South Carolina, because even though Page went off in that game, if anyone on South Carolina just made one of those bunnies at the buzzer, they would have lost that one too. So you just can't rely on Paige to completely carry you every single night. Blaming Paige for the reason that they lost, I mean, you just completely miss the point if you're right. doing that. She's the reason that you're that close to begin with. So, yeah, she didn't play well in the second half. I'd say this was probably the worst she's played in a big moment. If you're saying that in her sophomore season, it's hard to really put a ton of blame on her. And as Gino said, like you mentioned, she needs a lot more help out there. So it's almost surprising that she hasn't had more of these type of performances when she's single-handedly carrying the team like she did last year against South Carolina, like she did for a lot of the game tonight. They really got to get the post players going, which this game, I feel less so that they really needed the posts to contribute more scoring. I thought they, I think they had 14 points combined. That's pretty good, all things considered, against South Carolina. I think the bigger issue I have is that you're not getting anything from AZ FUD right now. Great against UCF, completely invisible against South Carolina. And I think we saw not what Gino thinks of her as a player, but just how he felt about using her in a big spot because she sat on the bench for pretty much the entire second half, and she wasn't even in there very long when he did give her a chance. She didn't look like she was ready to be out there when he gave her a chance, so... I think she's going to be a really big X factor that they need to get going. Caroline Ducharme to a lesser degree. I think it would help if she could be contributing, but if they're relying on Caroline to score a ton every game, they have much bigger problems, but AZ, she doesn't need to be going six from nine for three every game, but if she can be hitting two, three, four every night and just helping with the overall flow of the offense, I think that would be a huge, huge boost to this team that they need. Yeah, I agree with that. I think. I mean, we didn't see her hardly at all in the second half. It was mostly a few minutes at the end. Kind of felt like a, well, maybe she can hit a shot and we can get something going type of thing at the end of the game. But she only played 10 minutes all game. Didn't hit. She only took one attempt in that time, which she felt like she was being passive. I think there was a couple of chances where she got the ball with a halfway decent look and she passed it instead of taking that shot. And I'm sure that frustrated, you know, um, so I agree. I think they need more from her and it's fine that they didn't get that from her today. I mean, it's November. She's a freshman. It's not the end of the world, but I think that going as we go forward, that's going to be important. They're going to need her to contribute every game. Yeah. I'm not at all worried about AZ. I think we saw against UCF. I don't even think we saw much of her potential by going six for nine from three. We -hmm. mostly just saw that she can shoot the ball really well which we knew it was good to see her do it consistently. She had taken nine shots in the first two game and made two. She took nine shots just against USF and made six, but she, we didn't see a lot from her defensively. We didn't see her with the ball in her hands, dribbling a whole lot. She wasn't driving much like we've heard that she can do. 
we haven't seen her hit many pull-up jumpers. So yeah, it was good to see your score a lot against USF, but it was all from the three-point line. That can be a huge boost to this team. That would have been a huge boost to them tonight. But I feel like they need to get AZ going as a basketball player, not just as a shooter. If they can get her to be a consistent contributor in all facets of her game, I think that's way more useful to this team than just being a spot shooter the way Katie Lou Samuelson was as a freshman. I think AZ can contribute more than that, and I think that's way more beneficial to UConn if she can be an all-around player, not just a shooter. Exactly, and I think we will see it. I think we're just not there yet, so I'm not concerned. It's gonna it's gonna take some time. She's a freshman. Not everyone can be Paige Beckers and come out from game one and you know be ready to play like the best player in the country. I am curious how Gino and the staff try and approach her going forward because you have pretty much two weeks off until you go down to Seton Hall to open Big East play. That's a lot of practice time. I think it's good to have a little break. Not only do you have to recover from playing three games in three days, but I mean, just first off, the travels a lot. It's not somewhere that you travel very frequently where you used to the trip. I think regardless of the result, I think they do deserve a little bit of time to enjoy the Bahamas, to have a little fun, to go swimming with the sharks, as Gino said, post game, you need, it's like when you get back from vacation, you always feel like you need a little bit of a vacation to recover from the vacation. I think they need a little bit of that getting back from the Bahamas. So it's good to have some extended time off, start to fix some of the things that need to be fixed. Obviously it's not going to happen overnight, but the process can begin. Do you maybe put AZ in the starting lineup to try and get her going quicker? Maybe that'll kind of be a catalyst for her and put Aaliyah Edwards on the bench. Do you maybe not play her as much and kind of get her to earn her minutes on the court when she's out there? They got to figure out a way to get her going somehow. I don't know what that answer is, but you can't be going through every single game with her being mostly a non-factor and then just popping up every couple of games with a huge shooting performance. They need to start unlocking her. She doesn't need to be an All-American. She doesn't need to be a superstar right away. She just has to be a consistent contributor. She just needs to be a good role player. And if they can start there, that'll be a big, big boost for this team. As I've said, I think like three times now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think when you think about the fact that she played, spent most of the game in the bench and had zero points, that's like a pretty obvious answer to the the deficit that we saw today. So I do think it's going to take some time and they've got to find a way to figure out how they get her going. But if they can figure that out by January, I think this looks a lot different. I want to run through the concern meter just quickly with a few players, because I think over these three games, we got a pretty extended look at mostly everyone in the rotation four games in we have not seen the Dorka Uhas that we saw against Fort Hay state. I think way more often she's looked nervous. She's made a lot of mistakes. She's played hard, but that hasn't necessarily led to production that hasn't led to positive things for UConn, or she's just canceled out those positive gains with mistakes, with turnovers, with fouls, with bad decisions. Where are your feelings on Dorka one to 10? Where are you on the concern level with her so far? I still think at like a three, just because you you know she's the all-Big Ten player, so that's in there somewhere. We haven't really seen it yet, but I think a lot of it seems to be nerves. There's still only four games into the season. Like, it's it's so early. I think, like, she'll figure it out. I'm not that concerned. 
she's coming it's not like she's coming from like some mid-major program where this is a whole new level of competition she's played in the big 10 she's been an all big 10 player twice she'll figure it out i also think to your point that it's still so early we are four games into the season but we're very different four games into the season than we would under normal non-conference play where they play arkansas Oh God, is that two Sundays ago? No, yeah, two Sundays ago. Then they play Minnesota on Wednesday and then they play USF on Monday and then they play South Carolina, let's say on Thanksgiving, like where it's spread out. You have practice mm-hmm. time in between. You have, you can look at the film. You could see, okay, these are the mistakes we need to fix. We're going to work on this in practice. We're going to get better. They didn't really have that down in Atlanta. So I think that's a pretty big factor too. I'm still going to go just a little bit higher. I think... I mean, five feels aggressive. So maybe like a 4.5. I still think just the way she's played has been a little concerning because we know the talents there. We know she can do it, but the mental part a lot of times is a really big factor for players coming to UConn. And Gino said throughout the preseason, we've seen it during the regular season that she can get sped up. She can get a little too anxious. She wants to contribute so much that she kind of overdoes it a little bit. I'm a little worried. Is that going to subside? Is she going to be able to get past that at some point? Or is it just going to be something that they're going to have to deal with? So it is good that we have seen her perform well in a UConn uniform, even if it was a division two team, but now four games, albeit not very many, a short four games into the season. I'm a little concerned that she still just looks a little frantic out there on the court. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I think your point though, like, it's four games, but it almost in a way feels like two games because like you said, they haven't practiced in between these other games and things like that. So it's kind of just like they played the or- or the Arkansas game and then it's kind of just like they played like back-to-back-to-back games. So it's really almost like two games in a normal season. So I think if we take it with that and then like also they played two really tough opponents in those last two games as well. So I don't think I'm that concerned. Two tough front court opponents too as Gino said after the game against USF they weren't going to let UConn score on the inside so it wasn't a great game to be a big for UConn you'd like to see one of UConn's bigs maybe just say I don't care if you're going to let me score or not I'm going to do it anyways but yeah I actually don't really have an issue with them not scoring against USF I thought actually they played very well against USF and that they took advantage of the fact that USF was collapsing on them in the paint and wasn't going to let them score and used that to kick it out and run the offense that way. I thought that worked really well. So I don't really have any problems with their performance against USF. Oh, no, I agree with that. I, it's just, as we've talked about with Kristen Williams, we're never looking at what her numbers are. It's the way that she's playing. <laughs> and I feel like it's the same thing with Dorka is I'm just not super, I don't what's the word, not thrilled. I'm not super encouraged by the way that she's playing. There's still plenty of time for her to turn it around. This one, Caroline Dutram didn't play at all against South Carolina. Her numbers have, or her minutes have been really, really low recently. I'm not concerned about her. Like, I think I'd say one zero on the concern level. I'm just a little disappointed. It's early, but just from everything that we'd heard about her, I thought she would be a little more of a factor. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I thought we'd see her a little bit more. I didn't necessarily think we'd see her today, but I thought we would have seen her in maybe some of these other games a little bit more. I don't think I'm concerned about her. I think she's still got plenty of time to work her way back into the more heavy rotation. Uh, So I'm not super concerned about it either. 
What about Aubrey Griffin? Still hasn't played supposedly due to a high ankle sprain. Gino, I think he was joking when he said he doesn't even know you need a medical degree to know what kids these days are dealing with. Supposed to be a high ankle sprain. That's a very tricky recovery that can be a long time. I think just strictly in terms of her health, I'm at like a seven on the concern meter. It's been a while that she's been out. She's missed pretty much the entire preseason, if I'm not mistaken. Even if she does get fully healthy, what level is she going to be playing at? How much is she even going to be able to really contribute? There's still so much season left, but I'm getting more and more concerned that there's maybe more of an injury than we're being told about, or there's more of an injury that the training staff hasn't found or something, or if it's not healing right, if there's something else going on, I don't know. I'm starting to get much more concerned about Aubrey, even though Gino did say that she's supposed to start practicing in full this upcoming week. He did say that she was going to start practicing after the Arkansas game, I believe. So I don't, or before the Arkansas game, she had returned to practice in a limited capacity. So a lot of times passed since then. She's only just starting full participation. I don't know. I, that concerns me. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're just easing into it. I feel like it's so early. You don't want to like risk rusting into it and getting, you know, a worse injury later on. So uh, hopefully they're just being cautious. If she does return to full practice this week, hopefully we see her by that Seton Hall game. And then I think I'll be less concerned if we see her play there. I think they would have liked to have her today. I think when Mayor McLean went on the floor, I was like, this is a moment where you would really like Aubrey to go crash the offensive glass or try to disrupt something on defense. And they didn't have that. And I thought Mayor went out there and held her own for a couple minutes at least. He didn't spend much time out there, but it's so hard to evaluate when they're injured because they always are so close-lipped about what's going on in terms of injuries and things like that. So I feel like we're not really going to have a good feel for that until we get to Seton Hall and see if, you know, does she play some minutes there and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that would be a pretty perfect game for her to return (laughs) considering her best game in her college career came at Seton Hall. So I'd like to go down to that one. Apparently Walsh gym just got renovated where Seton Hall plays. Tony Bazella is just one of my favorite coaches. Not that that's a very long list of coaches that I've met, but Tony Bazella is just awesome. I have a friend on the team. But the con is that I have to go to New Jersey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's a week before the Never Forget Classic. So it would be like back-to-back weeks traveling to New Jersey, which just sounds like like a punishment. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Someone that did it every week for seven months, it definitely feels like a punishment. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I don't mean to insult New Jersey. I'm just trying to insult New Jersey. Yeah, we can definitely insult you, <laughs> especially yeah, <no>. New York. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, it's just one of those schools too, Seton Hall. That's just a pain to get to. It's not like it's right off the highway. You have to get off the highway and then just drive through neighborhoods, and it feels like you're driving on back roads. And all of a sudden, you pop out, and up oh, here's Seton Hall. Let's go through the gates. Let's go to the gym, which barely looks like it's twenty feet tall. Yeah. But I have heard good things about Walsh Gym. Yeah, I mean, it, well, Seton Hall is trying to make me eat my words and what I've said about them this oh. year, but it should be a good game. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we were so nice to you, Seton Hall. We spent, we, you were the only other team, I believe, that we spent any amount of time discussing in depth, <laughs> and you just decided to make us look really stupid to start the season. I, for one, do not appreciate it. <laughs> 
also happy belated birthday, Tony. I think it was Sunday. He deserves a special birthday shout out. (laughs) One last point I want to make about the South Carolina game that I forgot to wrap in earlier is I think there's so much panic and is panic the right word? Yeah, panic's the right word. Yeah. Based on what I saw from Twitter today, panic is absolutely the right word. Maybe that's not the overall feeling of the UConn fan base. It probably is, but <laughs> I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Just some of the reactions were so over the top. This would have happened last year if UConn played South Carolina, if UConn played probably Louisville. I think I can't find the exact quote. I don't remember when Gino said it, but he made some sort of comment along the lines of, we're lucky that the Louisville game got canceled because of their shutdown if they had to play that but he i think gino said if we played that game we would have gotten killed which based on the way the arkansas game went and how good arkansas was that's probably the case so this would have happened last year i don't think that would have changed the trajectory of the season and all they probably still would have gotten to the final four maybe they get on track defensively a little quicker and the arkansas game doesn't happen i just don't think a loss this early in the season a loss where, yeah, there's things to fix, but it's not like they just got their doors blown off for 40 minutes where they were just clearly the worst team. I think this can only benefit the team. And it's something that would have happened last year. So there's just no reason to panic about one game in November. We still have December, January, February, three months until March even gets here. And once we get to March, they still have, what's what, five games if we're being generous to whoever they play in the sweet 16 to figure it out once they get to March with the three games in the Big East tournament and the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, they have so far to go. Yeah. Five games. They've played four games. So think about the progress they've made between Arkansas and now, which I think is Substantial. is noticeable. Yeah. It's not like they've just been terrible throughout. They're going to play more games in a, a longer stretch of time before they even face a decent opponent in the NCAA tournament as they played right now. So this team's going to get a lot better. Gino says they have to work very hard to get where they want to. I have a pretty good idea that they're probably going to get there because Gino Oriam is the head coach. They figured out. I think even the January game against South Carolina is going to be a lot different and that's going to really show the progress of both teams. So no reason to hit the panic button. I don't even know where the panic button is right now. I don't even think the panic button exists. If they lose to Seton Hall in two weeks, yes, I will join you on that boat. Not even thinking about getting on right now. Yeah, there's just really no reason to. They lost. Yes, they lost by double digits, but it, they lost what was generally, other than the like dismal, abysmal offense of the first fourth quarter, it was a very close game to the clear number one team in the country. I like. There's just zero reason to be hitting panic. And also, when you start looking below number two, I think there's plenty of things that those other teams need to fix as well. So like, there's, there's just no reason to be freaking out at this point. I also do think there was like some positive sides today. I thought Olivia Nelson Odetta played an excellent first half. She didn't keep it up in the second half, but that first half of basketball may be the best half of basketball we've seen Olivia Nelson Odetta play in her entire career. I was so ready to take the loudest victory (laughs) possible on Twitter, on this podcast, in every single story that I write about Olivia Nelson Adota's performance if she carried it into the second half. It was very good in the first half. She was phenomenal. She wasn't good in the second half, but 
she wasn't actively harmful either as she's been throughout her career. So I think that alone is a pretty good sign. She also really didn't get that much help from Dorky Uhas and Aaliyah Edwards. I thought both of those two had pretty rough games overall. So yeah, I love the way that Olivia Nelson Adota played to start the game. I thought she was really good yesterday against USF. I didn't get to see enough of the game against Minnesota to have a strong opinion. And the Arkansas game was just a little weird, but yeah, I think Gino said consistently throughout the preseason, throughout the season now, that lives different this year. She's going to be a really good player. I think we're starting to see what that potential could be for her. So I was really encouraged by what that first half was. And I think, I mean, we have a long way to go until we get there and a lot can happen for her in between then. But if she can put together that type of performance across an entire game in January when they play South Carolina, in March when they inevitably play them again, and Aliyah Edwards and Dorky Yuhas can do anything, I think UConn would be really tough to beat in those games. Yeah, exactly. I think what we saw from her in the first half today was really promising, especially on the defensive end. And like we've kind of hammered home, I think, enough times at this point. Like UConn doesn't need their bigs to score a ton and like, a, you know, put up 20 points on Aliyah Boston. That's not what they need from them. And I think Olivia Nelson Madota did exactly what they needed from her in the first half. She was really strong defensively, came up with big blocks, was able to shut down Olivia Boston, change the game in the penny. They didn't, Olivia Boston did not take many shots in the paint in the first half. And then she got going in the second half and that kind of did you kind of in a little bit, but they were really able to keep her out of there in the first half. And that's a, that's a huge win for a quarter, right. for half the game, at least. Yeah. Aaliyah Boston made a three in the first quarter. She hit a long two in the first quarter. You let Aaliyah Boston take those shots all day long. And if that's how they beat you, good for you. Like <laughs> yeah. you just shrug your shoulders and go, okay, we got beat because Aaliyah Boston got hot from outside. South Carolina is a significantly worse team if she's taking shots from there, because that means she doesn't have the opportunity to grab a rebound on a miss. She doesn't have the opportunity to pass it out to someone who might be open and then get the rebound if they shoot it. So as much as you can have Aaliyah Boston out on the perimeter, regardless of what she does, you're in really good shape defensively. So yeah, they struggled in the second half, but I think we're going to see in these at least next meeting, presumably next two meetings, I think we're going to see UConn defend Leah Boston better in each time. And they're going to get better and better defending her because not only is it they've, the bigs are going to get better. The more that you play against these players, the more you're going to be able to shut them down, the more you're going to know their tendencies, everything like that. So you're not going to completely stop her but I think they'll do a much better job of containing her the next time they play. So I think this was above all, just a really good blueprint of how UConn can try and match up with Aaliyah Boston, Uhas, And I mean, I guess Edward saw her last year, but Edward saw her again. They'll be more experienced. They'll be more ready. I'm already just so excited for this January matchup. Yeah. It's going to be so <laughs> exciting. And there's so much to learn about this team before them. Exactly. Yeah. Just to put a bow on the South Carolina conversation, the last thing I want to say is before the game, I was thinking back to the 2012-13 season where UConn lost to Notre Dame three times before the NCAA tournament and then beat them, not in the national championship, it was the final four game. For some reason in my brain, I was thinking, okay, well, if UConn wins both these regular season games, trying to beat South Carolina a third time in the final four in the national championship. That's a really tall test. So 
obviously rather lose these two regular season games and win the one when it counts. I don't think just because they lost this one, they're guaranteed to win in March, but I don't think you're going to have the pressure of if you win these both, both these regular season games, South Carolina is going to come out of that game. If you win these two regular season games, South Carolina would have been fired up for that final four. If South Carolina beats UConn in January, UConn's going to be fired up in the final four. It benefits South Carolina probably if they lose in January, because then you're not going to get that, give that extra edge to UConn. Even just, what was it? Three years ago now, Louisville beat UConn in the regular season and UConn acted like Louisville had entire had murdered its entire family. Like they were ready to stick it to Louisville just because they lost a regular season game. So I can only imagine what it would be like if they lost two regular season games to anyone. Yeah. And I just like, I don't think there's a world where one of these teams wins all three matchups this year. I think outside of the first quarter, or I mean, outside of the fourth quarter, this looks like the two best teams in the country. And it was close. And I think that's what you're going to see in the other two games too. And like, it's going to be really, really, really difficult for one of those teams to win all three of those matchups. And no disrespect to anyone else in the country. These are the top two teams for three years. Top two team in the AP pool, but they're still the second best team in the country. Yeah. But even just looking out, South Carolina recruits really well. UConn recruits really well. These are just going to be the teams that battle. It's going to get to the levels of UConn, Tennessee, where they're meeting every year in the final four. And whoever wins is probably winning the national championship. Less so with Notre Dame, just because Notre Dame was never winning the national championship until they finally broke through in 2018. But still the same concept of they're meeting every single year in the final four. It's going to be a really fun rivalry to watch progress because South Carolina fans are just a different breed, man. They really are. They're, they're just, they're wired differently. Let's say that. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. (laughs) So I think we should also spend a little bit of time on the USF game because that really, you learn almost as much in that game as you do against South Carolina Bulls are number 23 in the country. I feel strongly that they're going to be a top 15 team, if not a top 10 team by the end of the season. Gino also said that he thinks this is Jose's best team that he's had at USF. Jose Fernandez, their coach. Megan, I, you have the takes here. I'm just going to hand it off to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're already a top 15 team. I think people are probably going to like freak out over the fact that they're like two and two this week, but they went into t- number 16 Tennessee earlier this week and almost upset Tennessee on their home court, which is a really hard place to win in general. Then they came into this tournament. They beat, you know, um, who did they play in the opening round? They beat Syracuse in the opening round, which isn't surprising. Gave UConn a run for their money and then upset Oregon today. And then they play Stanford later this week too. So they've got a gauntlet of schedule this week, but they look really good. They're really, really solid on the defensive end, and they have enough weapons on the offensive end to, to get things going. So this team looks like a team that's going to make noise in March to me. I think people are going to overlook them because they're going to kind of, after this week, sink into that AAC slate. That's not that exciting, but they look really, really good. I wouldn't be totally like surprised to see them upset Stanford later this week, which is probably a hot take, but going to go with it anyway. I was just really impressed with what we saw from them. And I think that they're 
like people are kind of like, oh, UConn needed everything to beat this top 20, number 23 team in the country. But I think they are a much better team than number 23 in the country. And I think all people, a lot of people are also comparing that to, okay, South Carolina like beat this number nine Oregon team really easily. But I don't think the team that Oregon brought to that game is the number nine team in the country. It doesn't have Tahina Pow-Pow. It doesn't have Nayara Sabley. They have so many injuries right now. I'm not saying that Oregon can't be the number nine team in the country, but South Carolina did not beat the number nine team in the country by that much. Yeah, Oregon was totally devastated by injuries. And it kind of takes away from not only South Carolina's victory, but also UC- USS to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you said it. This is not a team that you want to face in March. They're just built to be a very difficult team to play against. And those are the worst ones to have to play in March because you can have one off night and they can take you down. It's just a very bad recipe for a lot of teams. And they're going to be pretty highly ranked, I would say. I mean, if they can get the upset over Stanford, I think that would really boost their resume. It's going to be tough with their conference slate to get super high but yeah this is is going to be a fun team to watch especially for all the UConn fans that have season tickets for the Bulls that's going to be a fun team to watch throughout the season and it's going to be interesting to see how their season progresses this when do they play do they play Stanford on Friday or Thanksgiving what day Friday yeah Friday that should be an interesting game Haley Jones is potentially injured she didn't play for them a couple of days ago so without Haley Jones I would really not be surprised to see USF upset them but Either way, I think it's going to be a really good game. It's just USF's game is a little bit similar to Texas, which upset Stanford a couple of weeks ago. It, it could be an interesting one. Didn't someone just upset Texas? Yeah, Tennessee upset. Well, I don't really know that I would call uh, Tennessee's upset. win over Texas. Yeah. It wasn't upset technically, but Texas also went from number 25 to number 12 in the poll from winning that one game, which is a little bit ridiculous. So, Right, right. I knew they beat, they lost to someone who was decent, not necessarily an upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's good for UConn to be playing a seven-point game. It never really felt like it was in doubt. I never thought that USF was actually going to pull off that upset. But our biggest complaint about playing in the AAC with USF there was that the games were never close. And UConn didn't have the experience in close games. And as Gino said, you never had to take a timeout and figure out what you were going to do to get yourself back on track. They had to do that two games in a row. They kind of had to do it three games in a row Minnesota at least gave them some trouble it still ended up being a blowout it wasn't all that close but it wasn't easy either so as Gino said if they were heading home and the only takeaway they had was that they went three and oh or two and one then there was no point in making the trip but UConn learned a lot about itself in this trip and I think that's really really valuable they're going to have a lot of tape to break down they're going to have a lot of time to break it down I'm going to be interested to see what they look like against Seton Hall, especially a Seton Hall team that in theory might be a little bit sneaky against them. Yeah, exactly. I think they've learned a lot from these three games and I think that's important. I'd rather see them struggle a little bit now, right? Like it's better to struggle now because you're going to learn something than to just breeze through everything now and you don't learn anything and then come March you struggle. It's much better to be struggling in November. Four games in the books now, a little bit of time to the next one, but Biggie's play is on the horizon. Christmas is on the horizon. Thanksgiving came up very quickly. Christmas is going to come up even quicker. I feel like first half, probably halfway through, right? Or at least until the semester Christmas break. Yeah. About that. Crazy. It's moving fast. Anyways, we're going to take a quick ad break and come back to talk about UConn's newest addition. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. UConn picked up its first 2023 recruit, K.K. Arnold, a 5'6 point guard out of Germantown, Wisconsin, committed to the Huskies today over... Big names would be South Carolina and Notre Dame. She had UConn in her final 12s. There were a lot more teams in the mix, but it really seemed like those were the finalists. Apparently, she's a very physical guard despite her size. She was the Gatorade Player of the Year for Wisconsin as a sophomore. Max Preps named her to one of their All-American teams. Number eight player in the country. Seems like just a very solid pickup for UConn. A very typical UConn pickup. Top player. Point guard, which they need coming up. Very highly rated by everyone. Tough. Seemed very well liked by her teammates in her press conference in the way she interacted with them. So it's hard to know a ton about recruits until Gino starts talking about them, what they see, or until we get a little more insight. But on the surface, seems like a pretty typical UConn pickup. Yeah, I'd agree with that. She's also the highest player in the 2023 class to commit so far. So a good start for UConn's recruiting class for that year. She's the first player out of that class to commit for UConn too. So looking good so far, at least. I also think it's worth mentioning that, especially junior year, the rankings shift a lot. Mm-hmm. At this point, they're a lot closer to guesses than anything definitive. So it's possible that she could shoot up. It's possible that she could even drop down a little bit, but I think there's definitely going to be some change. I don't think she's going to come to UConn as the number eight player in the class. I think it's also just a really important pickup for UConn because they didn't get Kiki Rice, which, yeah, you can live without it when you've got AZ Fudd, Paige Beckers, Nika Mule, Caroline Ducharm in their junior and sophomore seasons when Kiki Rice would have come in. But now KK Arnold, she's going to be a freshman when Beckers and Mule are seniors, when Fudd and Ducharm are soft or are juniors, sorry. She's really that first building block in the future front or backcourt because she's going to be there a year. And then Paige Beckers is going to be gone. Nika Mule is going to be gone. When she becomes a junior, AZ Fudd and Caroline Ducharm are going to be gone and it's going to be her backcourt to take over. And really when you're losing Paige Beckers and Nika Mule, it might be her backcourt to take over when she's a sophomore as a point guard, when AZ Fudd and Caroline Ducharm are both, both more off ball players. So I think it's just a very important building block. It's good that UConn has that player in place, and it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the class fills out from there. Agreed. Yeah, it will be interesting. And I'm sure we'll start seeing more of these commitments in the coming months. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Right. Well, we saw that Sierra Toomey was at the Arkansas game. KK Arnold did say that she visited UConn and that people were coming up to her and asking for photos, which she had to say no to. 
she spent time with the players. I don't know for sure, but it really makes it sound like I didn't see her at the Arkansas game and there was no one that looked like a recruit around to me. So I'm guessing that she was at Gamble for the Fort Hay state game. If I had to guess, I don't know that for sure. So I'd imagine when's her next home game. Would that be Notre Dame? I would say yeah, yeah. The, on the sixth or seventh, maybe fifth. fifth. Oh, well, way off <laughs> on the fifth that there's probably going to be someone at that one too. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's someone at the never forget classic, but yeah, have a rough idea of who UConn's looking at on our recruiting tracker on the UConn women's basketball weekly. There's also just going to be the players that kind of come out of nowhere that didn't say anything about their recruiting process that maybe were a little under the radar, kind of like PF Gabriel or Nika mule, even Aaliyah Edwards to a certain degree. So I wouldn't be surprised if we just get a commitment out of nowhere that no one's ever heard of, but yeah, it seems like they're pretty much in on all the players in the top 10, which is standard for UConn. That's going to do it for this episode of chasing perfection. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V Connolly. Be sure to subscribe to the show, tell a friend, share it on your networks, subscribe to the UConn women's basketball weekly, become a premium member. If you are so inclined, read the UConn blog, Megan, what is your favorite food at Thanksgiving? Ooh, that's a tough one. All right. My family makes this thing. It's like squash with apples, apples all sliced up and like cinnamon and maple syrup. That's probably my favorite. Oh my God. What? <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> is that like a dessert or is that just no, like it's a- part of the meal? <laughs> it's like wow. sliced butternut squash layered with sliced apples. And then you put syrup and cinnamon and stuff. And there's other stuff in it too, I think, but yeah. That sounds amazing. I've never had anything like that (laughs) and now I want to try it (laughs) I'm a huge I love mashed potatoes just to quote Bill Belichick uh give me the starch (laughs) I'm also I just love apple pie I love anything apple related but oh apple pie is so good so I'm a big fan of the apple pie which like not just a Thanksgiving food but still it's I'll include it because it's apple pie That's going to do it from us. Thanks for listening.